Hug. And welcoming all of you. And I see that some people who are here with us many hours ago joining us here. So yeah, I think it's going to be beautiful to find some continuity with a three-hour dialogue that we had earlier. And there's something about the dance that doesn't like to repeat itself. And so this time I'd like to listen to where you're at. What might be the questions that you're holding that is also an intention and an intuition? And maybe this is a way of introducing yourself. Where are you right now in a physical place, energetic, mental, planetary, whatever comes up? This is especially the new faces we'd love to hear from you. So just sending out a big hug from a rainy day in Palawan and inviting you to here. Puck, or the book? Yes. We thought you were a guy. No. <laughs> I know a lot of people think that when they first see my name. Yes. Are you but in Holland? Holland, yes. Mm. Tell us about yourself. Um, I, my name is Puk. I live in a small town in the Netherlands, uh, in the south. I am 33 years old. Mm. I have three children, uh, one of the age of 15, the other is uh, seven, and the other is four. So it's uh, quite a busy uh, life for me with them. Um, I, I'm really happy to be in this, uh, in this class because um, I've been on a, on a journey for quite some while now, finding out uh, who, who am I, what is my purpose, uh, uh, what, what's, what is it that I can offer the world and uh, other people? Um, so uh, I've been on a journey with uh, finding myself. I, mm. I did that with uh, uh, ayahuasca and uh, now uh, for, for, for some time with the inner dance. I, uh, in, I experienced it with uh, Florina, I think you know her. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so she told me, she, she, um, uh, so my English, I think a little bit of a boundary for me a little bit. I can um, understand everything, but when I speak, I hope everything mm. would make sense for others. Mm. Um, uh, so I, uh, yeah, Florina, uh, I told Florina that I, I've, I think I feel that my purpose is somewhere within the inner dance and uh, spreading it out to 
the world, I think. Um, so that's why I'm here. I'm really, uh, I'm a little bit nervous for the journey. Uh, if, in, if I, what I will have to, if what I, because it's a group process and I'm a little bit, I think maybe a little bit insecure if, if the, the place where I'm coming from is already in the same uh, conscious level as the rest. So um, that's a little bit of a, uh, something I have to uh, tackle. But uh, yeah, so and the question, the, the biggest question for me um, is how can, um, how can I or we integrate inner dance um, and reach, uh, reach people who are ready to, um, who are ready to go to dive deeper and uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what the question really is. It's more like, what is my role within the inner dance and bringing it to other people? I think that's my, my personal question. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, what about Keiko? Would love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, so hi everyone. Um, my name is Keiko. Um, I'm Japanese, um, but living in, in, in Sydney, Australia for 14 years now. Um, I'm a mom um, of one, uh, sorry, I'm 12 year old daughter. And um, yeah, so um, how I found, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to be a part of um, this journey. And um, it's pretty um, crazy that how I found this um, online training is like, um, um, so I, I did um, CAP called a Kundalini activation process um, at the beginning of this year. And um, that's how I found um, about you, um, Pai. Um, and then um, I wasn't sure how um, I didn't know the, the name Inner Dance that time, but um, I was so curious. And then sort of like um, I kept practicing with CAP. And then um, so I started um, the shift um, and change in me. Um, and then I was wondering, um, so what now? Where, you know, from here? And um, one of my friends who lives in the neighborhood, um, her name is Kitty, um, I bumped into her and she told me about this online course and she mentioned, I'm not sure it's for, it's for the facilitator or um, for the learner, um, but if you, if you have feel the calling, just you know, uh, send a message. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I, I was pretty, um, yeah, amazed. Um, and I found about this and then, oh, and I saw the name Pai and I was like, oh, that's the name I, I saw um, a while ago. And so, yeah, I kind of um, got pretty excited about the, how it all got together. Um, yeah, so um, question, uh, um, I'm not sure the question at this stage, um, but as I go further into the journey, um, yeah, I'm, um, I'm curious to 
see my sort of questioned I would find. Thank you. Mm. Um, Chris, are you with us? Mm. Yes, I am. I'm just, <laughs> just sorting. Hang on. Oh, um, video. Oh, there we go. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> Try again. There mm. we go. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, I'm here. And mm. um, what should I say? Um, I spend a lot of, oh, I live in Melbourne. Um, sometimes, and some of the time I live in a, a very small town um, in a, a remote area in the south of Victoria, in Australia. So sometimes I won't have a video because I have to travel close to a communications tower and sit in my car for some of the sessions. So, um, and we don't have a lot of data there. Um, so I'm a bit privileged tonight because I'm in a house with some, some data. Um, uh, what else do I say? Uh, I spend a lot of time alone. Um, there's a beautiful forest near me, um, when I travel and we spend a lot of time there in the, the forest, which is, which is really beautiful. Um, and I'm a friend of Rebecca's. Who's who's there? Who who gave me the little um, info thing to join? Um, and I don't know if I've got any questions yet. I'm just here to just experience the process. Um, Rebecca's done a couple with me, and I've enjoyed them. So um, I'm here to just find out what the experience is. I think that's what the question is. Yeah, which is super valid at this point. Thank you. Um, mm. 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 Is Rebecca? Mm. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm just. <laughs> uh, I won't put the video on because I am lying in bed with uh, my 11-month-old son, and we're just here in the dark. He's sleeping at the moment. He's been sleeping for like, I don't know, he wouldn't go to sleep um, at two when he, when, uh, so we were here at 4 a.m. Uh, last night we went to sleep at, uh, this is time, 11.30 or something. He went, both of us, and woke up at four he didn't but I did and I just listened in and then we woke up at 10 30 um and I thought he'd go back to sleep about maybe two but he didn't and so he's gone to sleep much later and he's um still sleeping so anyway <laughs> I don't really know what I'm saying right now but um I won't put the video on when he wakes up I might have to go um but I just wanted to say hi. That's pretty much it right now. <laughs> Sorry. That's, mm, mm. that's great. <laughs> it's so great. It's great to have you here and yes. um, your community as well. And I love your profile photo. 
It's good, yeah. <laughs> mm, it's perfect. Close to home. Okay, so um, let's let people chime in through a dialogue, I guess, that we can open up. We're being initiated in many ways, and I need to play a simple part in the beginning to help to hold this in a way that um, only because I've seen what I've seen and a lot of the energies that have channeled through so many are able to speak through me. Um, but in a non-hierarchical um, level. So I do invite us to be in a spirit of co-creation, collaboration. Um, in the earlier call, one of the interesting things we're looking at is a point of beginning. Um, I think it's interesting that we have so much of Australia being represented here um, because the inner dance teacher training actually began with some Australians who were just going so deep way back in 2009. And they were the ones who were requesting almost with a strong force that we need to know more about this and can we organize something that would uh, allow us to understand what this is. And, and so I was deeply grateful for that. So to speak about this, um, the Australian energy just impressed me a lot since the inception of the interaction I met, I met them mostly in Singapore, and then they would come to Bahai Kalipai, the retreat center that we have here in Palawan. And it was just cosmic. There's no shortcutting. In the span of the first minutes, they would be going into the universe without even having any idea of what this was they would walk in without really any need for context, almost like they were just waiting for some kind of signal. That was a long time ago, and I've only really been to Australia twice. One was just passing through. The second one was doing some work in Sydney, and I didn't really see anything new. It was always the same really deep, 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 deep thing that I've always seen. The impossible becoming possible almost. So those who have some experiences in that land, um, we get to ask these questions like, what, what, what is it about that? Is it the 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 earth that is in those parts? Is it the, the culture? Is it the people? Um, and what are the paradoxes in it, considering that the people who we call Australians aren't also the original Australians? Uh, what is it that is emerging uh, here and now? So I use that only as an example because all colors and all shapes have a story to tell and we're almost being given a platform where we can unravel this 
I, I, I feel like we're being given a gentle start right now. Um, the main questions that we can look at in the moment is like, what is inner dance at all? Um, how does it work? That is the operative question when we look at people wanting to share it. And then the deeper layerings would be opened up by the why. Like, um, why, why is it here? It's a, it's a teleological question. Like, uh, some people, they have a sense that there's a penultimate purpose in their own individuality. Like, um, I, I must have a reason for coming to this planet. And when they go kind of deep, they start to get a sense of that, even though they, it would never be in actual fullness because that is something that is ever changing in a way. Um, so somehow history and time is an interesting topic for me and for many others in a way that the history of one thing, whether it be a person, an object or an idea seems to be intertwined with the history of everything else. When we speak about um, experiences like ayahuasca or without psychedelics, without substance, people go sometimes as deeper, even deeper. There's a sense of how everything seems to be connected. It's somehow they all seem to converge or meet. Um, so this seems to be such a moment in the timeline of the world like uh, a lot of people have been sharing this more and more but only as a sense or a feeling and it feels like we need to bring this into a dialogue form somehow so our job now is to understand inner dance and it would be favorable not to have to understand inner dance as a thing or as an idea, not just as a spiritual modality or something that we do. There's a feedback mechanism in the individual and in the group space that seems to always speak back to the room in a way that the energy wants to speak to itself, but it needed conduits or mediums to do so. It's like the, it's almost like the human being is the aspect of the earth that's able to look back at itself but it's not exactly just a human. It's self-consciousness or um, awareness becoming aware of itself. And, and the more it does so, something takes place in the overall. So we can look at inner dance then as something that has a history, but then that inner dance is actually a part of the whole historicity of the world in a way that inner dance doesn't exist in and of itself. In a way, it's almost like a meditation style for the 21st century, uh, which resonates at a certain speed. That when you look at the history of the world, there's like a bell curve, an acceleration of consciousness that began really, really slow over a period of millions of years. And then the rise of civilization 10 to 6,000 years ago and then the more we were learning to transmit and to hold information, we are overwhelmed with uh, the boost, you know, the acceleration. Suddenly there's a, like a rocket ship that shoots upwards 
And we're not even that surprised. It's almost like this makes sense that it happens right now at this juncture of the history of the earth. And, and we're right here. We're, we're alive right now at exactly the, the point where it tips over. Mm. So, yeah, it's like it, when I had my own pilgrimage in solitude, when all of this process was taking place inside me and I was being spoken to by a very old grandmother spirit that was speaking of major changes. I, I wasn't so aware of the world beyond the crises moments right after 9-11, which was September and it's the same months right now. Uh, I felt more than the collapse of the world through terrorism. I could feel that there was something a lot more. So I was being urged to go very deep to the point of suicide and death and really deep surrender. And I was spoken to by spirit in a way that I was able to just go and do it. Like a lot of people would ask me, why, why would you do it, Pai? You were in the corporate world. You were in the world. Why would anyone just walk away? Um, I feel like everyone hears this voice now, but we lack the conditions to just go ahead and do it, to live with the earth to become the earth in a way to regain the earth and so um, i don't know what it is inside me but i just went ahead and did it and um, it was the hardest and easiest thing that i ever did there was a confidence inside me that understood that this was important somehow despite my insecurities my deep anxieties to listen to some of people speak about their own feeling of smallness or it, it's, it's sometimes called shame. Like, uh, who, who am I to think that I am more than others? I, I'm, I'm the champion of smallness in a way. <laughs> I've always been thinner than anyone else in the class. And I've, led, I've, I've had a most traumatic childhood. Um, so here I was in my smallness, but there was a bigness that, um, wasn't belonging to me, but was almost taking over me. Um, the last decade for me has been almost like a vision quest to try to explicate, to articulate or share what it was that I was seeing back then. So that is one of my missions. Like a, how would I share what was taking place in my mind that led to this explosion in my body in a way that held more energy than I ever would have thought any one human body could contain. And in my wildest dreams, I would not have considered that it would spread across the face of the earth in the way that it did, even though at that time, it was already speaking the fact that this would contribute to the global awakening somehow. Um, there's something about the inner dance where you know what you know before you know it. And I followed that. It, there, there was nothing else to do but to allow the energy to speak through my service. Um, in the beginning, I was utterly in poverty. I had no two coins to rub with each other. And yet the energy knew where to go. It told me to get in this boat, to just keep walking, and always it would touch very deep people who would then 
resonate and speak about it to more and more people. So the rise of the inner dance was quite fast. And um, one thing that would be interesting is to look at it, in fact, from a cultural perspective. Um, wh why did this version of the divine feminine emerge from my own country would be an interesting question. Like, for those who have not been to the Philippines, maybe you know some Filipinos, there's something very vague and mysterious about the, the nature of my culture, but also the history. Um, I don't want to go essentialist on that because there are literal ways of understanding something that's much, much deeper. Uh, but inner dance does belong to that history that speaks about colonization and humility and unconditional love that resonates with all of the world. We all have this inside, but there's a kind of death that needs to happen in this part of Southeast Asia or the tropics, which in a way is uh, at the end of the world. If you travel in Asia, it's pretty much at the, the, the easternmost, um, not a westernmost area where after this is all ocean, um, beyond Guam, you'd reach the other end of the world. So history kind of stops here uh, in the middle of the equator. And it's a very good vantage point to be looking at different inner dances around the, the world. Um, where I would love to slow down our awareness of this is as we die as identity and personhood something unravels that's the story of your context, that you are never just who you are. You belong to your mother and father's mother and father's mother and father's mother and father's story. We, we are never alone. We're not individuals. And we're always standing on the shoulders of everything that came before us. And so when we look at versions of inner dance that are now being held in places in Europe, in Oceania, in Asia, in Africa, and so on and so forth. We actually owe much to a lot of those who died prior to the many deaths that we're going through in a way that we're also accessing a lot of organizational, structural um, elements of spirit or consciousness in a way that we don't need to go through certain things that they did and, and even in my own, I, I don't need you to live in an island alone, living on a mono live foods diet and then going into a breatharian lifestyle, coming in touch with the earth. In a way, the inner dance is Gaia herself revealing a certain vibration that belongs to sound. If music was not just a bunch of sounds put together by human beings in an aesthetic way, all of this um, belongs to a presence that is never just the now, but actually traces back and forward a sort of mapping that could become very clear to those who sustain themselves in the process. Um, so now is the time to maybe gather together as a global community and speak of stories in a certain way um, there's a style of dialogue that's been emerging in the world that comprises a death of the self that starts to bring an emergence of a collective spirit that comes alive. And we can do that energetically in the 
kind of workshops that we do, but we can do it through the spoken word and the written word. We can do that through electronic media in a way that's able to slow down the vibratory, effervescent, um, super moving, never, um, not, never static. It's like the, the, the nature of energy is always moving in the molecular and in the cosmic. And the human being is almost the aspect in the world that's trying to stop it. Um, so that, in fact, when God probably paints your picture, your, your, your essence would be like a waterfall or change itself would be your middle name. Um, how would you then um, come into this new persona of consciousness that's revolving and evolving with this paradigm that we hold? Um, there are many insights that would come. One of them would be everything is valid and everyone has something to share. So that is why we invite you to collaborate with this in the long term. In the beginning, though, there has to be a lot of listening because speaking comes about from the absorption of many sounds and many utterances that came uh, prior to the now. Uh, when we were animals, the, the sounds were there, nature had it, and it's almost like human consciousness in a way integrates a lot of these into the words that we speak. A lot of negotiations in the evolution of all living beings that consolidates in the human. Um, so there's something about language that we were speaking about in the previous call where we're, becoming, we're beginning to unwrap the nature of words and the nature of the, the, this tool that we use in a way that there are communication paradigms that are beyond words. So at times we kind of need to lose the words only to gain it back. And then the words aren't anymore just words. Um, and so I, I offer time and space as a vocabularization that would help you find a study process. Um, and, and that is my question to you. How interested are you not just in the inner dance, but in the nature of your own consciousness, your own ancient traditions, your, your own lineage, your own ancestry is alive in you? How would you begin to read the book of your soul if you were allowed to open the pages? A lot of the writing then needs to be read beyond just the physical realm a lot of the conversation would have to start with the ultimate nature of the body, not as something made of matter, but something that is what we call energy when we generalize, but it's really so much more. It, it, it's like, how are you storing an entire universe in one singular entity? Um, we don't go around town <laughs> go we don't go to starbucks asking questions like these but but maybe we can and i do see that people are beginning to to do that in mcdonald's in the library or, or in the yoga studio um there there's a beginning of a curiosity that you know so inner dance should just be a doorway to these deeper questions and it's a really good doorway indeed because there's a sensitization 
in the consciousness field that uh, um, makes it very visceral, makes it audible. Uh, so when we talk about these online trainings, it's not going to be so much of a training, but it will hold some functionalities of the training where we, we can learn, we can um, deepen, we can experience. One of the main objectives here and now is to create a community and a community could be a culture. And when you bring a lot of people who are transforming at a rapid pace together, that can be a, be a culture. And, and there are shared languaging. There's shared processes that you won't find when the energies are mixed up. Um, so we, we've always been experimenting with sacred gatherings where when we almost put a pin in the board, okay, at that moment and in that place, when we gather, something is about to happen. Consciousness seems to speak up hugely ever since the Aboriginal or the traditional time. We, we've had many, many different practices that um, helped to create that channeling experience where we could hear the, the, the vastness and the futurity of ourselves very clearly. It feels now that we're being given new rituals somehow. Rituals that aren't just going to be handed down by the grandmothers and the, the grandfather shamans, but in a way that we're breaking the line, that enough was clear to me that when I was made to live alone, I didn't really have any teachers. I never attended yoga. Wait, I need to mute, I think, Flora. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have teachers. That's something you need to contend with. Okay, I never had a guru. I never did yoga under anyone once. I would stretch my body because that made sense, but I never received uh, instruction manuals. And this is the sequence and this is the way. Um, so here then is a ritual or a practice where when you are given the rare opportunity where anything might happen, there are no expectations and no one needs you to be anyone right now anything then will happen and you can suddenly become anyone and the inner dance is the effect of it. Like, um, it, it could be that simple that rarely was it given, rarely was that space open and once it does. And when we understand even a little bit about the nature of how we position the body, how the breath works, how the brain functions and then the effects of certain sounds up upon the human being, Anything might happen. And for some people, it's not just anything. It's everything might happen. Um, so we need to gather as a community and we need to do it in a quieter way, in a focused way to condense this. And um, in community, inner dance will never be the same. There are some people who understand the body differently. Like to speak about Rebecca March, for example. She's a curious one. She's got quite a story. I'm going to allow myself to speak a little bit. She used to do some really intense things to people's bodies. And it was almost necessary at that point in time. I don't think she does the same 
Floor has some stories about that. So do I. Um, the energy was really palpable then. Um, and, and I really uphold situations like that because no one else would have done it other than the, the it wasn't Rebecca. It was that which was in Rebecca. And Rebecca is a lot more a person now than when I first met her. So I, I have had to watch people become not like people and then to become like people again, but not the same people. And I'm sure a lot of people are also being exposed to the waves of what is it like to witness people become energy, to witness people start to see everything as energy, to hear everything as energy, to smell everything as energy. Um, we need to create a container in a way that um, would be able to harvest the transition point. You know, it's like there's a transition when we come from here and then when we go there. And then there's a transition process when we come from there and then we come to here in a way that we always bring something back. There are many communities in the world that don't like the actual sharing process after the inner dance. Like, it's destroying my experience and I want to stay in the nothing space. But nonetheless, it's a tradition that the energy is held for a long period of time because it is in fact through the verbal tradition, the, evolu the, the innovation of language where we bring something from there into here and then are able to normalize that in an institutional way into medicine, into the schools, into economics and whatnot. Um, so, so we kind of go into the extremes of it sometimes where we, we lose it. We tend to lose it. So I've, I've met some of the most organized, the most logical people. They could be scientists, they could be politicians, they could be doctors, they could be esteemed teachers, they can be a, a bishop or a priest, but they get hit like a truck like an airplane, <laughs> they get hit um, at a very opportune moment. There's always a timing when you are about to crash. And um, I think one question people have that resonates is, um, who can I surrender to? What can I surrender to that I know does not come from an agenda or doesn't have an ego something in the human wants to trust something purely emergent something that didn't come from a, um, a formative or something that is institutionalized is a, a word something that's too firm um, but because we know when something is new and only being birthed there's a purity there and yet even when we look at that concept it's almost like what is new is very old. Um, is, is a baby stupid? Is, is a baby not knowing anything? And I'm glad to hear that we have many parents here because they too are about to share something powerful to us. In understanding inner dance, then there is an understanding of the first initiation process of being a universe and suddenly adopting an identity which is in inner dance you know you have the id and you have entity 
uh, an entity is something that exists in and of itself as an independent and autonomous being. It's strange then that in inner dance you lose your sense of being an entity and you find out um, you are a universe of entities in case somehow in a narrative that starts to break down. Um, and so we, we come into this um, aspect of inner dance's history where I feel inner dance is broken down. If you notice in many of our emails and uh, we, never, we never actually advertise. So what should be interesting to you is when people find us, we make it very, very hard for you to access it. It's almost like the inner dance is experimenting with a reversal of marketing or social media. Um, I feel like coming from the advertising industry, there's, a, there's something about putting the cart before the horse or the carriage before the horse. And we're learning to understand what is actually driving the, cur the carriage or the cart. And, and as humans, we, we've used language in a way that um, reverses ca ultimate causation in a way. Uh, but um, when we spell inner dance, there was a certain point where it just became one word and then we couldn't even bear to capitalize inner dance in a way. Inner dance onto its own has lost its sense of identification. It's undergone its own ego death. And maybe for a certain number of years, it was necessary to hold it as a specific construct, like as a, a modality, if you will, or something that exists in and of itself. But more and more, it is becoming very important to help people understand that inner dance isn't something that is mine or something from the Philippines, but something that has been there since um, everything began, if there is even such a thing as the beginning. Um, so differentiation then in terms of your honest understanding of who you are and what you carry inside of you in the Life on A website on the online IDS journey, I shared with you, for example, the story of Donggun from South Korea, um, where the Inner Dance Workshop was born. Like, uh, I want to bring that up because of Keiko being here with us, someone who is originally Japanese and um, is, has been in Australia for 14 years. Then she has a multiculturality or an East-West um, process happening within her. Um, inner dance was initially born in this country, but in fact, it was in the East Asian or the South Korean where it exploded into the world in a certain way. Um, we don't need to talk about it at length, but if you wanted to have an understanding of what, why, like what, what, what is it in the South Korean? What is it about the the language traditions of South Korea through King Sejong, what is the difference between Chinese, Japanese, and Korean that is about the right-brained consciousness? Like, um, in many ways, the East Asian brain in the world holds one of the most musical, the most non-linear and non-sequential 
uh, brain process, uh, which has been very bound up in a way by commercialism and by the realities of the world. But there's something in the history of certain energetic signatures that is really just waiting. And when you are able to listen deeply to how this, this process wishes to speak to the context, you know, um, uh, it took me a while to understand this primarily because the groups that I hold are very global and we all want to believe that there's a universalism in everyone. And yet there's an ego inside our cultural groups that also needs and wants to be seen, that we are so old and there's something that wants to come to know itself in a way. So after the inner dance, whether it be right after the session or in the spaces in between you go deep, um, these stories will unravel in a way that you will start discovering things about our history that were unknown in a way that you're not just reading the past in a way that you think you're changing the future, but when you start to melt time and space in a certain way, you will also be changing the past. What energies of transformation is giving us right now is an access to the pen and the paintbrush and the movie camera where we can write the script, we can direct the movie of the world, we can paint the narrative, we can compose the song that we thought was going to be authored from some, somewhere outside of us. It is in fact a, a certain resonance in the body that is holding such nonlinear memory um, mappings that starts to consolidate to, to I heard uh, the word, we want to understand how inner dance integrates, but we also want to understand how does this integration equate to integration in a way. Um, so th th this is merely the beginning and I would love to have long range conversations with you on how your community is journeying in a local and global process. Like um, your communities will die and it's already happening. It's just that we're resisting it so hard. We're, we're struggling with the letting go, even though we are already being urged at this time. We won't be given many opportunities like this. And if we don't take it, the opportunities will have to come under much more harsh conditions. We're being given a chance to do this in the gentlest way possible. So this is why questions are important right now. Um, when we come upon things that we don't know anything about, inner dance would tell us, I know what that is. So the nature of the question is simply to unravel that which I don't know, but which I do know somehow. It's holographic in, in that way. Um, it's almost paradoxical, these energies of power and humility in a way that when we try to know too much, it's coming from this human addiction towards certainty, which is um, urged by the fear of losing control. Um, so there are these two statements that always play in our heads, like, um, I, I don't know anything, but everything is known. I, I have no control, but there, 
is somewhere out there, absolute control. So this mystery begins with this strangeness in the body that begins to act upon its own will. And we can't privilege maybe that being an explosion of an energetic movement that is very cathartic for some people. It's just a feeling inside or it's just a set of visions that start to conduct a life review or birth visioning process. Or maybe it doesn't even look like anything at all and we can't uh, privilege the more exciting parts over that because why is the universe giving you that? So the blessing of online or virtual communities is to just un to, to be part of something that is there and taking your time, the transformations, if it doesn't need to come to a workshop, that means that you will be on my side of the picture because I never attended a workshop and inner dance is merely something that came to me because of many things that came before the inner dance. One of the traumas that I'm having to experience is people would like inner dance to be the answer or the causality that would lead to effects that inner dance can heal, inner dance can transform lives. Nothing could be less true. Um, <clears throat> inner, inner dance is merely an effect. Um, <laughs> inner dance is an effect um, coming from a prior cause. And I would say if you could generalize that, Earth itself would be the cause. Okay, so yeah, um, channeling a lot here, but I'm really more interested in having a dialogue with you. Uh, as we come into the next weeks, I think it would be interesting to start asking um, very defined questions like um, in, in the red week, which is next week, we're going to go into the nature of the body. Uh, I would like to ask people, like, what, what, what is it about the way you just go to a certain body part? Um, and ask that to Rebecca. <laughs> what is it inside you back then when you were pulling people's limbs to the point of breaking? And um, it seemed like there was something being healed from the deepest place um, possible, but it broke all logic. And up until now, we're probably only now beginning to understand why floor holds a space in a way that everyone just starts to sing and, and go into this light language. Why is it that Justin Hakuta so long ago would uh, walk close to people's bodies? He's Japanese, by the way, and he would blow into certain body parts and it was doing its thing. So whether we call this these skills or techniques, there's actually just so much wisdom waiting to be harvested. And when you just keep staying within the inner dance process without a supportive community that allows you to see these layers, um, you keep seeing the whole, but it's very hard to see the parts. It's a new languaging process, a new dialogic style almost that allows you to see the parts that allows you to see a greater wholeness. Um, and that has many gifts. For one, it gives greater context for you to land transformations, even in the most stuck 
And even in the most fear-based places, they do want to find their heart, but they will not dive as easily as some people will. Um, so, wait, um, one thing that I did want to share actually is um, that, yeah, inner dance is a history which began in the Philippines and then moved to a place like Singapore. And then it exploded in Malaysia. There was something about the history of Malaysia at that particular point until it started to spread across parts of the U.S. to Canada and in, into Australia. And then at the same time, it was beginning to make its way through Europe. And as the resonance kept growing and growing, there was something taking place in South Africa. And then it's as if the energy was speaking to each other from all parts of the world, like the earth was waking up. Like um, Gaia started to look at, oh, this is the part that's my throat, my liver, that's the part that's color blue and orange. So um, there are people who were lucky enough to have traveled to places like Egypt, to places like Poland and um, it's in my inbox. It's in my Facebook messenger where I was beginning to receive earth communication speaking to themselves as this inner dance held a role in China, in India, in Nepal, in Sri Lanka um, and so on and so forth. Um, the energy has been stabilizing in the last two or three years. Like it's about to gain momentum right now we are being asked to relax just a little bit because so much has already been done and to take our time to go into a creativity but also in terms of a deep listening almost like you deserve a restructuring process like um if your body was a room you know like there's different energies when you say reorganization but also uh, a rearranging. It, it almost becomes very graphic or visual where if you were given a chance to rearrange your own uh, structure, you know, um, in Cosmic Carpet, I quoted Jacques Lacan who spoke the words, the language is structured like the unconscious. And, and if your body was structured like a language, would you be able to rearrange your own body if it was made of energy as if you were also able to arrange your bedroom or your house? Um, another acronym for ID is interior design. <laughs> so if you had access to your spiritual blueprint, you could keep using these metaphors. They're all as relevant. If you had a chance to rewrite your own book, would you take it? But understanding that the book is so much beyond just your personal biography, would you still take it? And then what are the steps that you would take to arrive at that opportunity? Definitely, there might be certain things that you need to let go. There has to be certain things that you need to negotiate with your own people in order for you to arrive at a safe ground in order to achieve a certain core energy, like a point, a pinprick, a middle place where nothing is really there. And then slowly you begin to expand what's called a zone of proximal development. It's something that belongs to early childhood 
where sometimes we need to be near our mother or our father because we know that um, there's something being transmitted. It doesn't have to be human. Animals conduct the same. And then you achieve your own independence and you grow out and create your own life. So inner dance is almost a modality that allows you to go back into the point that then expands a circle around you, a boundary for a self that maybe wasn't so strongly there. But because we don't really understand ego so much now as we understand the consciousness of the planet, how would you create a sense of safety for the world that is growing from you? How would you create a boundary for a whole universe that is now suddenly growing up? Um, so we want to read the book of the world and the universe and our cultures in a way. And what inner dance gives is feedback mechanisms, not just the kind of feedback in social media. And I'd like you to observe that inner dance was actually birthed inside me at the very same, uh, at the very same time Facebook exploded into the world. I didn't know anything about it. And when I started to speak again to human beings, everyone was just talking through this one medium. So there's something very technological as well about spirit in a way that oral tradition or the spoken word was innovated in a way that um, Neanderthals created these tools and started to write on cave walls and sand and clay pottery and hieroglyphs and papyrus and parchment. Um, so now we're speaking through these iPhones, these Android devices with the World Wide Web, but in doing so, we have an awareness of the planet becoming a central nervous system that is being interlinked somehow. And there's something very, very spiritual about everything that's happening right now. We need to recognize these patterns and to be able to use these, uh, this awareness, not just in the spiritual context. It will give you a lot of power when you know how a lot of these insights are already changing uh, who you are and how you stand in this world. I want to speak especially to parents and I want to see who else might be interested in holding hands in really authentically understanding the nature of family and school, which um, could seem really, really simple at times. But... Um, what inner dance does is it disorganizes things. But in the disorganization, energy itself self-organizes. Human beings love to organize, but energy organizes itself, just like nature, the ecosystem organizes itself. But the only way a self-organizing principle can happen is when it's also self-learning. And inner dance has that. Um, something is happening in the indigo or the third eye and something's happening in the yellow chakra in our sense of power, our sense of activation, our agency, our sense of being able to do things that we didn't think we could do before. So creating a direct path between all these channels will be happening through our exchanges. I would appeal to your intentions not just to get stuck with trying to hold inner dance as an explosion, that is readily available when it is the right time. 
we are coming to understand another aspect of the inner dance. The other polarities of inner dance would be the antithesis of the inner is the outer, and then the antithesis of the dance is stillness. So in your brain, there will be cross-sections of what's called inner dance, and then the outer dance, and then the inner stillness, and then the outer stillness. They, it, they sound redundant, but they are four different quadrants inside you that's looking for a fifth. And at the time that you don't know anymore the difference between the interior and the exterior, stillness and dance, you will have arrived at the nature of a brain, a mind, a language, and a culture that is the unitive, the, the neither masculine, feminine, east, west, north, south. You will have designed an earth from inside and suddenly, through synchronicity, things are just happening without you ever planning anything. It will be the easiest way of constructing a paradise. It doesn't matter if you live in a cold place and whatnot. Earth will listen to those who write the story from an inside place. Um, it's almost like we're graduating and we're going into the next level now. And I myself have not really held inner dance since maybe April or May. I can't even remember. It's only now after a long period of rest where I'm coming into the energy and I'm here to listen. What has changed as it's now going to be experienced in different parts of the world? So we have people like Hawan. We have people like um, Carly. There are actually people in this group who have never experienced inner dance. And when I would love to observe through them where they take this, if it wasn't going to be through a workshop, what kind of questions, what kind of practices will come from them. <laughs> that would be really exciting indeed. Um, I think we almost need to look at it from fresh eyes, not to privilege that inner dance is what we thought it was in the last 11 or 12 years. Okay, so um, it's a lot. <laughs> Um, I would love to hear from you about um, almost anything, maybe even suggestions on where to take this, or just strong feelings, strong insights. Or uh, Earlier we talked about Genesis, like um, what is the beginning point? What is the point of Genesis? Is it the Genesis of the mind, which is a psychogenesis? The genesis of language, which is a logogenesis. The genesis from God, which is the theogenetic. Um, the opposite of genesis, if you were going to go biblical, is revelations. It's the last book. Um, so, because this is the second call, how could we not just find the point of beginning, but also uh, uh, like closing the loop? Um, yeah, so yeah, I'd like to, wait, let me, I, I'd like to hear from people who have been holding this for quite some time. I would invite Lee or Rebecca, um, who have been part of Inner Dance's history. Rebecca has been here the longest, and um, 
holding inner dance australia i trust her the most when it came to inner dance australia her humility and her understanding of many different aspects or colors of the world have been interesting you, it's it's been hard to look at the changes because it's never still um i spoke about you and i hope that was okay <laughs> i don't know if you want to share anything about that but that might be interesting as a point okay um yes all right i've got some things going on here but uh i yeah when you brought that up i, I was like it was i forgot completely like everything about that and it's not really part of my story uh anymore um yeah it was kind of interesting i started thinking like why did that happen um and i thought back to uh bali when um <laughs> they were when i guess when i was introduced in a dance and um it was Laura and you and I and um you did a demonstration with Floor and uh I remember you standing on her stomach. <laughs> um and I I remember thinking in that um immersion uh I would because I never knew in a dance at all. I didn't know anything about it. And I just, it just came, we came to each other. And um, whenever somebody would do something, I would have this insight or like this um, epiphany, like, oh, you can do that too. And I found myself like outside jumping on a trampoline, doing all kinds of things that were like pretty, I mean, that's not socially inappropriate, but like riding on people's um, walls, you can stuff. But yeah, it was just the allowance, I guess, of, um, and that was really a fascinating exploration of what can be expressed and from where, uh, when it's allowed. Uh, and it was also um, mirroring and speaking through the body. Um, it was only when I came back to Melbourne and uh, experienced um, feedback from um, I guess being touching people's bodies in a very physical way um, that led me to understand that I could have a relationship with this energy in that we could um, speak to each other and um, help each other to grow and that started an uh, experimentation for me uh, with what a lot of, well I, well, I like the word that you've been using, which is intent, intentionality. But, um, so, but yeah, just generally what people would call like setting intentions. Um, and seeing uh, 
the, I guess the vastness and the creative force of this energy in a very um, multi-dimensional way so, and it's synesthetic as well and that everything uh, it's an extensory resonance really like every way of um, producing meaning is always speaking to each other and these can um, resonate with each other in a way that they can understand each other's languages and that's been the I guess the journey for me which has been really fascinating and super fun <laughs> as well I was listening to the first podcast just before um, and Flo was speaking about how um, people's uh, having uh, energetics around them that speak to the facilitator, which the facilitator can channel and speak back to the energy or the body. Um, and it reminded me of a time, and I mean, there's so much that I could speak on in descriptive terms, but there's a one time that um, Ria from Greece, who was also in Thailand, uh, was in Melbourne. <laughs> And I would just place these animal, Australian, Australiana animal, Chris, you'd know these ones, um, tarot cards, kind of, oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> those other cards, um, oracle cards, yeah, on her <laughs> body. Because she, and somebody else brought them, but she always, in inner dance, she always did a lot of animal noises she was very connected with the animal world and um so somebody had just brought these it was like a meeting that was already coming before any of us saw it or heard it and um I picked them up and started placing them one by one around her and on her body <laughs> um she would mimic the um the sounds of the animals and the, sometimes the actions of the animals as well and that was pretty hilarious for me just to see like the um it's like a, it's almost like a cotton wool ball of interweavings that i'm uh, not a cotton wool ball uh, just a wool um when you kind of like make a woolen ball um to to knit and when it's all wrapped up in a ball it's just like this is what communication is when the image on a card speaks to the body with the eyes closed, then what, what is speaking to what there and, you know, how this all came about in a session. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And how it continues and continues. And um, this morning's, uh, conversation was so profound for me because and I was expecting this and I kind of knew what my role would be but um I am in a process of writing at the moment that is very lengthy um and I'm looking at certain aspects of consciousness and the very words that I'd been reading the evening before 
were coming through, um, you know, through Pi's voice and you're calling it a channeling and it feels like a channeling, but it's also, it's also something else because it's an ongoing into the relationship that um, it's just so expansive. And I'll leave it there. Exactly. So accurate. Um, I've been waiting for Rebecca to come into the shared space and I'm glad it took a while, but now seems to be the right time. Uh, I trust you so much because of your devotion to all things Africa. It's a mystery. I think even to her and she holds a role. I've learned more and more about inner dance's origins actually through her. Um, inner dance has a point of origin there where my own first ever inner dance experience, which was beyond explosive. I can't speak to you so much about it, but it began with the words, it began in Africa. Um, I would like maybe Floor to share a little bit about her experience with Rebecca, because you have certain things to unravel. It has something to do with pain. Um, in, in terms of intentionality, a lot of facilitators would like to give pleasure or ecstasy. And um, uh, Sharon's training was in fact with Rebecca, who also co-holds Interdance South Africa with Lee. And uh, we saw you doing like certain things that would have been logical to have just stopped right then and there. But the feedback we were hearing from people were just really, really amazing. And so it was hilarious, but your hilarity is combined with uh, knowing that's always underneath the, it's underneath the thing. It's underneath your, uh, and I think it's just been waiting for some time. So yeah, I, I did forget that Flora was actually then and there. That's where I met her too um does anything come to you about this really interesting topic we've spoken between us about this several times or not yeah mm. Mm. Yeah, i'm spiraling back to memory lane <laughs> um Yeah, I can speak about uh, um, experiences with Rebecca and experiences with other people with regards to the channeling and the pain. And let's start with pain. <laughs> um, it was actually here in Maya, uh, not in Bali anymore. Uh, when I had this experience with Rebecca uh, of uh, pressing my <laughs> pressing my hip, and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> um, but there was so much there um, in an inner dance space. Uh, there's so much that can be 
channeled, that can be healed, that can be spoken, uh, that can be moved uh, when there's a lot of trust. So since there was trust in this space, I was like, okay, uh, she's pressing my hip like really, really, really painfully. But um, it was very powerful. Um, the trust transmutes every sensation into um, um, into thoughts, into um, conversations, into um, uh, realizations, and um, I was actually. I actually went into kind of like an ayahuasca type of process at the time um, when I experienced that. And that's what Rebecca and experiencing pain through her. <laughs> I have one um, constant experience in Dubai that um, happened a few times with one of my regular participants and a very good friend again with a lot of trust uh, given to me and the space whenever we journey into inner dance i end up pulling her hair like really 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 strongly and um it was almost after uh uh experiencing inner dance uh in bali in one of the immersions with Tom. Tom was our guest, uh, our regular guest towards the end. Um, and um, Tom is uh, one of the oldest inner dance facilitators uh, all, all, all this time, facilitator, um, who's uh, very much uh, in deep conversation with death and pain and stuff like that. It was after experiencing inner dances with him that suddenly I have this confidence in um, unintentionally almost inflicting pain and deep channeling um, for the bodies of the people in the space. Um, and there's this one woman that whenever I go to her, I pull her hair like I'm really hurting her and I never questioned it. And it wasn't until the third time that she said, and she was crying, she said, I always trust you, but I never understood why you always pull my hair so painfully. And I realized now why. I remember my father used to do that to me when I was a kid and I never realized, and I only remember it now. So there's, um, going back to what Rebecca has said, which is what I also said in one of the recordings that Pi have posted, and there's a lot about the channeling that happens in the space and inner dance. And, and they come about when, when the trust is really existing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, for one of the sharing. There's one thing I want to say though, which is maybe not directly related to this and this is more like a 
question or probably an opening for, uh, and it's got something to do with what you said earlier, Pai, about uh, the beginning of Facebook when the energy uh, exploded through your body, um, probably 10, 11 years ago. And a question just popped in my head and I just don't want to lose this question. Um, I find it so interesting that um, since Facebook has changed the consciousness of human beings, um, and now that we are in this uh, quite different way of sharing this energy, the inner dance and um, energy school, I wonder where this is going when at this time, the energy of Facebook is already shifted or is also shifting. Like a lot of people are starting to move away or, or becoming aware of what it has actually cost to their consciousness or to their way of life or to their way of being. And there's a lot of change right now. Um, yeah, that's that's more like an interest than a question, and um, I don't know if there's anything uh, uh, interesting to talk about with regard to that. But I just wanted to share that. That is that's, my main topic, Floor. That, yeah. That's that. That's the thing that I wanted to look at. Not now, but it's an opening. Uh, that is the primary point. There's something that's the end of history and also the beginning of history that is also a circularity in history that takes place now through what we think is media or communication. It's actually about the history of forms. What has been accelerating is our ability to process information inside and outside through uh, a layering or... Um, it's like the structuring of information. Um, I think it's most easy to understand as the vessel that holds the substance. That when you look at a message, it needs a channel. And it also needs content. And right now, there is a deconstruction of the line that separates medium and the message. The vessel and the... Like when I speak this sound, and so do any of you, your soul is being transmitted. And um, sometimes we think the, the letters or the sentences is uh, also separate from the meanings that constructed this. But that is, this is not the time to unravel that because it's really deep how we were in fact able to piggyback upon the nature of our language so that we got here. And now that we are destroying language, um, all of these technologies, including inner dance, is very relevant. So it's perfect that you bring it up. It's the central point. I want to go to Lee because it did open up her possible voicing. Um, we're talking about Africa um, quite a bit. So I don't know if this triggers or creates some openings inside you to um share from your wisdom maybe we can harvest through your articulation now 
Um, yeah, like since the beginning of this call, um, I've been feeling a lot <laughs> of, um, I've been feeling a lot of energy um, and also like tension as well. Um, and it feels like for me, I start off just um, personal space. I feel like a, I resonate with a lot of what you were talking about. Like a, there's a, there's a very big, um, shift and a death um, happening. Definitely where I am in Cape Town, it's, um, there's been a lot of change um, going on here. Um, with regards to inner dance, I held two um, in the last month in person and there was a lot of um, very heavy energies that seemed to be um, um, like building up over the last few months. Um, in my own body, I'm feeling, um, yeah, like a lot of, um, Oh, this like, it's like such an unknown space. It's like, it's a quite a, um, like, um, like I don't even know what to say. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm feeling <laughs> so much here and at the back. And it's also like this massive unknown. Um, and I'm also re-questioning, like re-asking what is my role? Uh, what is the role that um, is present here? Um, for me, this energy school, it's like coming in as best as I can from like the baby space and coming in with like an empty book. I uh, feel like there's a lot dying in me at the moment, trying to die. <laughs> um, a lot of um, yeah, with regards to Africa or where I am at, there's been it felt like it went into like a really peaceful space where I am in Cape Town here, like a lot of harmony, a lot of say more love. And then like stuff just coming up, like um, a lot of fighting against um, something there's been some interesting violence around where I am as well. Um, there's a lot of anger, um, which I was feeling for like my own anger 
but also feeling like in the collective um, and yeah I'm in this space of deeply yeah just wanting to give voice to what needs to be remembered now and um, letting go um, I feel like there's a lot to let go within my own body at the moment yeah mm. my own spirit yeah that's all for now mm. it's really amazing um i want to interject something here uh Primarily because I was just thinking exactly of what you just spoke. And um, I, I brought up Rebecca because there's something very profound in the emotion that becomes energy in motion. What might look like anger, it suddenly becomes love and empathy. Um, I, I want to put the inner dance inside a zone if such a thing is possible. Um, when I speak about historicity, it feels like there's a design somehow that collaborates how everything is connected. Like the, the world has a story and the world is a story and the story is changing and the world is changing, but in non-linear time. But there's a linearity in it as well um, and so when you look at our concept of evolution there's something about it that took a really long time to get here um, th there was a long journey of beginning to converge what began in africa which could just be a representation um, there are in fact many theorists that say that um, it began in Southeast Asia. Uh, a lot of the archaeological findings in Java uh, looks at a deeper history. Um, so in a way that could make sense, even though we're supposed to be one of the last, including Australia as the, the, the storyline. But um, let's go into that later on. Mm. And so uh, there's this is terminology in social thinking, which is called post, and uh, it normally connotes what comes after something that's held a narrative or a strong storyline. It could be a religion, it could be an ideology, it could be like capitalism, it could be Buddhism, it could be Christianity. It could be um, modernism itself. So when you hear these words like postmodern or post-colonial, post, um, you know, post-feminism, uh, post-Marxism, there, there is always a reaction or an antithesis to something that held a thesis, which was a prior synthesis. If you understand Hegelian theory, uh, let me simplify it anyway. It's a it's a reaction 
normally out of anger and disappointment that what held promise, what a lot of people believed in would hold the key or the answer to joy and stability didn't really do its thing. Um, and so there's an interesting terminology that I've been really linked to uh, lately and it's called post-post. Um, it's the idea that what comes after then is um, preceded by what comes after it. And so the idea that there's anger, a necessary reaction to um, what could have been slavery or colonization, um, what would be a reaction that's not coming from the anger because it's been able to process it in a way. So post-post almost seems to be an end of history in itself because it's, um, it's a beginning, it's a point of origin. It's not so much um, reacting from the past, but it shifts our privilege to a futurity of the world where we suddenly make space for the present moment. It, and if it's not reactive, it's creative. It's exactly the same letters just rearranged in a certain way. Um, so there's so much resonance about this thing that's saying we're becoming like children again that are coming with innocence and purity and love and excitement, which we all kind of miss. Like I used to be passionate. I used to be so strong. Um, but I don't think um, the present time, which is maybe even before post, and then post and post post are linear in a way that the anger is very valuable in many ways, but also what comes after it needs to be held there. And um, what the, the thing that came prior to all these that is naive, that didn't know where things were gonna go, that was also needing to be validated. So, I feel like in the history of inner dance, like this thing about pain needs to be remembered and recognized. And we almost need to return to it. Um, so I'm glad with what Rebecca, Floor, Lee shared. And there has to be more of that, maybe coming from something new. When I think about CAP, um, when I remember Bennett, starting to come into inner dance, he loved that part. And I think that's what did it in for what began in Australia and also came into many regions in the world, um, which is what Florine's entry point into inner dance was as well. It told Spain really, really well. Bennett coming from its Chinese Hong Kong lineage, but also being partly Australian, there's something quite ironic emerging inside him as a Kundalini activation process, holding a sense of power that has been held back over a long period of time. Um, so there's a reason why CAP is for many people a huge opening like in the world. I come from a different energetic signature being from the Philippines, but I've had a lot of pain causing 
experiences as well. Um, just Rebecca describing how I used to stand in people's stomachs because I knew that people wouldn't feel pain as much as what used to be painful. It's now being called power and then insight. So I feel like a bridging uh, is happening where we can, uh, when you talk about channeling, we can also see it as maybe moving forward many steps ahead because we have also learned from the steps in between that allows us to arrive at where we actually are at right now. You know, um, we are angry, but we're also post angry. And um, this brings value to the inner dance right now because COVID-19 is um, awakening a lot of these emotions inside people. And um, there's a need to not just be authentic to our emotional selves, but also to come almost to a maturity, like a growing up stage, which a lot of people need to borrow from or learn from. Like something needs to take the lead. And if it's not just going to be people, it will be vision itself, like a, which happens through the quest or the active quest, questioning. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the sharings and I feel like we're almost evoking an energy that we all share globally somehow that is in fact what urged the inner dance into existence. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. So I invite everyone, whether you have been in this for a while. Everyone's been in a spiritual journey for so long. Maybe we can just treat this like an inner dance in a way that we could just all see what's coming up, knowing that this is going to be heard by people from all over for God knows how long. <laughs> we, we're opening something here and we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know what you're going to look like. So, okay. I'd like to hear from Chris. Um, mm. Chris has been on a journey and can speak to many of these uh, these openings. Uh, so I invite Chris to take the floor. Thanks, Rebecca. I was enjoying actually listening um, more than anything. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I guess my, I, I probably like to pose my biggest question. And it is when you enter the space between time and you're in this, this amazing space in which, you know, you can speak to your past and your future and all sorts of magic happens. One of the things that I find really difficult is trying to share that with others. Like I can talk about it, I can describe the experiences, um, I can talk about, um, Rebecca and I have talked about this, about um, even sending messages to our past selves when we've been in pain and trauma. If we had an inner knowing that, it would be okay 
would we have faced the situation differently? And is it even possible, which I obviously do believe, that in this consciousness today, in this time, that I'm able to send messages to my past self and let my past self know that whatever the outcome is, it will be okay. I, I just find I don't have the language, but I also don't know how to create. I would like to create those events with other people around me instead of just creating them with myself and my husband in the forest, which we love to do. But I just, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to carry that energy outside of myself. And that energy appeared when I no longer had purpose. And I think that's probably the biggest key um, to this situation, especially for myself, was I woke up one day without purpose. So I was no longer um, a person in a way. I no longer was a person who did things, who had things, who was a career or whatever. I was a nothing between the space and the time. But I would so love to hold, hold people's hands and take them into that space as well. Uh, what do you reckon, Rebecca? Sorry, I'm here. I was listening. Uh, what do I reckon? Um, I reckon that sounds like one of the most interesting questions about facilitating in a dance. <laughs> uh, if, if that's what kind of condition is required for us to become everything uh, all time, all space then how do we share that with others who have a whole bunch of really important purposes um, in a very constricted notion of what time and space are That's it. Mm. This is so awesome, Chris. It so hits the nail. Uh, it so hits the nail. Um, it's so deeply wound up. Um, how Western philosophy itself is based on the concept of rational teleology, which deals with... Um, purposiveness, you know, from Kant uh, back to the Greeks, they believe that everything inside it has an intrinsic um, final cause, you know, like there's a reason why you're here. Um, but through quantum reality, there's a different model of the world that comes to us almost that the purposiveness does exist, but it's not something that was written by something outside of ourselves or even in the space before time. One of the common insights people arrive at once they start to emerge from nothingness is, I'm actually here to decide what that purpose is and I have the resources 
and have the experiences from all my incarnations to to do this at any point, no matter how deep in dream states, psychedelic realms, extended uh, consciousness. I could be having a beer, I could be in the forest, or I could be in the middle of the city. I, I must simply choose it now. So there needs to be almost a paradigm or a framework that helps people understand that almost godlike creative process but still it's that sense of history or story that people have held on to i mean you can imagine it's only at the uh somewhere in the 1800s where we realized that we were older than 6000 years ago that much of our historical um storytelling was uh that we were so young and then we discovered dinosaur fossils and then D Darwin came into the picture and said, maybe this is so much longer, but that has been stretched out so much more in the last decades that we're hardly able to catch up with the realization that we're uh, billions of year, years old as a planet. And then when you expand that into space, into intergalactic multiverses, if this is how big I am, how do I even begin to integrate that in myself? So this, this feedback mechanism is really quite recent. And I feel that it's only actually now where people are experiencing what they are coming to know. Even though so much of our schooling systems and our social systems are denying that we are really this old. So I feel like what question you're holding Chris is uh, really core in a way, like who's, who's writing my script? Uh, and, and so in Inner Dance, a lot of people try to look for that. And a lot of them end up disappointed because they don't really get anywhere. They, they don't realize that you, you must simply choose it now after that death zone. Make the choice now. You don't need the trance to do that. If you want to be happy now, be happy. If you want to, you know, so in a way, inner dance also does kind of close uh, up uh, an aspect of our consciousness that's um, trying to go into the unconscious so much, trying to delve into subconscious spaces. But a child doesn't really need to do that in a certain way. Mm. Um, but the languaging will come. And there's so much we can learn from people who have been discovering uh, their mind after losing it. We talked about that quite a bit in the earlier Zoom call. And it's not a simple topic, which is, in fact, the very reason why we're in this journey together. And it's not going to be too much. Let's just keep uh, going into this deeply. Understanding inner dance is just the opening. Thank you for inviting Chris, Rebecca. I think that was really spot on. Um, mm, mm, who, who wants to chime in something they're feeling from everything that was shared? Mm. Isabel. <laughs> Hi, hi. 
Mm. Uh, something funny is happening uh, during these Zoom calls, and it's that um, I look at Pawan, and he makes me laugh. And uh, just by, by his face, <laughs> because of his face. And um, it's a new thing for me. After 10 years of therapy, hard work, and pain, that silly laughter is coming in. <laughs> and I'm enjoying that a lot. <laughs> also, something's happening with my nose. And I really don't know what it is. Um, um, it started yesterday. And I don't know if I have something inside my nose that wants to be released or that the nose has a function um, that is not activated in me uh, in a way. And I'm touching it and touching like points here and here and here, like to get things going with the nose. But really, I don't know what, what it is. And uh, yesterday, after the Zoom, um, um, weird thing happened. Uh, I was like, I was hungry, and I usually don't have supper, but I ate supper, which is maybe the first time in years that I, I, I take supper. And, and then I went to bed, and in the bed, um, I didn't know what was above and below, and what was uh, in the right and in the left, I was like lost in space. And uh, it was a very weird sensation. And it lasted for, um, for, for some time. And it was, it was very, very, very weird. And well, that's, um, I know that energy is moving and things are happening, but I really don't know why it's happening. Also with the hands, um, uh, there's like a, a thing like this that I'm starting to do, and um, I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if this is a mudra or if it's not a mudra, but I'm getting the hands like this. And I think it has to do with concentration, like concentration of energies or a concentration of mind. I don't know, but it's coming all, all the time. And that's all I can say <laughs> for now. Yeah, thank you. I want to touch upon the notes just a little bit. And when it's been shared in the past, uh, it has something to do with the endocrine glands, which is um, synonymous with the chakra systems. Um, there are channels in the sinus region leading up to the pineal gland, um, down into the thyroid. And you know, some people, they might yawn for a long time. Some people, they vomit things out. They spit out certain things that seems to clear that channel. Um, after a long purgation of what happens in the lower regions. Um, some of it has 
to do seemingly with the reptilian brain. Like um, we have an amphib amphibious part of us that is linked to the waters and the oceans, like a memory of not even breathing the way we're breathing right now. Um, and so I think I don't want to direct your energies too much, but there's a memory in our deepest DNA um, connectivities that's activating uh, an almost sonic or sonar-based awareness. Um, the limbic system, the, the reptilian brain, which is the basal ganglia, these things we will cover. Um, but when you talk about concentration, you're talking about what's called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which allows us to live in time within space. Um, it's almost an ability to, to condense something so vast in the periphery into a single point. And because I've known, I know you, I've um, seen you, and you're one of the most um, strangest, intuitive, sensitive beings I've ever met. To actually hear you speak about laughter and joy, um, that means maybe when we last saw you here, and you were speaking about pain so much, you bring so much relevance to what the inner dance actually is bringing up. You're almost just demonstrating what we've been speaking many moments ago, again and again. So I think that's a cause for celebration. Love to Spain. Mm. <laughs> Anyone else would like to share? It's six, so it's almost six, two hours. Uh, I just went by. Mm. Let's, let's hear a few more things from people who might want to channel something through. Uh, and then, yeah, we could just keep going later on. Hmm. Um, I found it really interesting, well, actually activating what you were saying before, Pai, about um, schools, children, families, these kinds of things. Um, I, I think COVID is a, a marker for this period of change that we've been going through for quite a long time now and in different fields, they call it different things um, in academic fields, depending <laughs> on uh, which studies you're in, they call it, you know, the end of modernity. Um, you're talking about postmodern and postmodern is really just a, sh a shifting time of, no age until there's another age um but then other people are calling it the uh um we have like the yogic philosophies and the new age philosophies that talk about the new dawning of the new age <laughs> the new earth these kinds of things um the kali, kali yuga i think it is the close of kali yuga those kinds of things so it's all kind of speaking the same and for us that have children, like we, 
put ourselves here in a shifting space. Um, and our children, are, I feel that our children are, and you, oh, it's so beautiful what you're saying about standing on the shoulders of what's come before, because not only have we done that, but our children are doing that. And for me, I see so much work that my husband and I have done um, that our baby will um, grow up to um, begin from. And uh, I think when you talk about post anger, so just for background um, for everyone, my husband's from Senegal in West Africa. Um, and so we're like a coming together of black and white, which is symbolic of, uh, I guess, the end of what some scholars call the colonial, uh, mo modern colonial complex. So modernity couldn't happen without uh, colonialism and the hierarchies, that, the racialized hierarchies that are embedded in that. And there's a lot of things that are happening now that are bringing those hierarchies to collapse. Uh, and I mean, one of those things would be the union of um, black and white and the creation that comes from that. So my baby is a meeting point. And um, coming at a time where there are so many other meeting points <laughs> um, on this earth, and it's not like this is the first time that's ever happened. I mean, we're always in flux. But we do, as humans, uh, point to periods of time and space because it helps us to cognize in this way um so coming into the a new era um i guess where where are we going with this and how like i look at uh i think about when i was young and we had tv i'll bring technology into this now too because it works it's there uh, we had TV and we would look at the TV and we would do things um, at the same time. But now I'm talking to, like, I don't know how many people, 10 people from all parts of the world on a phone while I could have TV on, while the internet could be running on some other device and my child <laughs> can be taking in all of that. And I'm already feeling so sensitive to the collective energies of um, this world. And I feel like the wavelength and people have probably talked about this before the wavelength of, you know, Wi-Fi, MindFi is the same wavelength that telepathy and, um, you know, our mind connections kind of surf on. So how is the child's brain developing at this juncture in uh, humanity? Uh, human history and what is that going to mean for humanity if the internet has been around only since I, after I was born and it's shifted the world this much uh, plastic I, I think I think somebody told me I can't I haven't <laughs> confirmed it but it was invented in the 1950s or something and now we're just swimming in it uh, it's not that like longer period of time so my son can see and be a part of just the most gigantuan ginormous amazing wonderful all those big words 
um, changes and uh, what is he going to look back on and how is how is the development of what's happening now going to impact on what's happening in the future for our future generations and how how do we hold that how do we nurture that um in a way that nourishes what we uh the vision that is held by the energy of unity Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. This is my question. The the father of media theory, um, so long ago with the advent of radio and television, he already saw how fast things were changing, and he understood that we knew so little about the brain at that time but already they understood that there was a retribalization of society because of the way feedback is starting to go into a cyclical um, loop whereby um, in the past energy as information was sent one way which could uh, manipulate and colonize people um, now we are aware of what's happening to the brain, but we're not talking about it in a way that's in, integral or integrative. Um, uh, for me, one of the best terminologies to describe what you speak about, Rebecca, is African time. What the British um, uh coined to describe the lack of punctuality the animist super um messy uh people who just didn't understand lists who didn't understand professionalism and so all you have to do is to travel to different parts of the world and you can change the word african into other things it feels like what modern and the postmodern is coming into us an Africanization, which is polychronic time where things are now simultaneous and being, um, they're all happening all at the same time. We, it snuck up on us almost. So to follow Marshall McLuhan's theory, along with Walter Ong, who observed these phenomena, that the world is going to become a one brain a one mind, what uh, was initially called by Talard de Chardin, the noosphere, you know, like the, it, it's what uh, Lovelock based somewhat hysterian Gaia, the, the Gaia hypothesis that the earth is just a one being. We, we only were thinking about these later on. We, we didn't see the earth as a single entity that in fact it's being helped by the very technology that's also destroying our sense of connection with nature. Um, so that's it. this is where we're going to go. I would like to suggest that so much of our inner dance journeys need some special space holding in what we might call practice or what we might call application. 
in Maya right now, there are people who are trying to create a schooling system with the locals. And because of our close proximity to inner dance, it's almost like inner dance itself is helping us understand how parenting and schooling systems might um, be experimented upon, understanding that there are many nations in the world that would not allow weird people to touch their system. You know, don't come near our systems. But here in places where things are so broken and so African in a way, um, we have access. So I guess the question is, do we wait until the rest of the world experiences the same brokenness and then the opportunities for change? Or are we able to translate a lot of the spiritual insight, these new age awareness into the, the way it could be understood out there? You know, like, um, do, does it stay within the spiritual workshop? as a way of just releasing old tension? Um, does it also stay to serve the individual? Or does it find a way to contribute to an authentic awakening of a community? Um, for that to happen, I think there's special disciplines that need to happen now. And uh, there are people in the inner dance who are coming from the sciences, but there are people in the inner dance is coming from deep experience. They're, they're breaking the sciences just through their demonstration, just listening to Isabel speak from uh, direct feedback. This is what's happening in my body at this time. That is very scientific in a very different way. So I think this is primarily our purpose. And the Zoom calls today, I think, initiates us exactly into uh, a solution that isn't an answer, but just an, uh, a substrate, <laughs> uh, a substrate, a mixture, um, an ecosystem, a culture, if you will, uh, that relaxes us into... Maybe there never really were any problems. It's just a matter of perspective. Mm. Mm. I invite uh, Puk, Pawan, Gra, uh, Italy, Kiko, <laughs> Carolina, or um, Johanna, or Edgar, or yeah, if you have any possible insights to help us close and integrate a really long day uh, 2 a.m. to 4 p.m. and now 6 it's been amazing mm. uh, hello I think I can talk can you hear mm. me yes okay um, I'm in Baha'i Kalipai now it's getting late almost bedtime <clears throat> so after the the session finished today at 5 a.m i i felt pretty triggered in a way because i'm on a quest to try to vocalize and describe some of my processes or maybe this past year and everything 
and I still notice how how some things are very tender and others very hard for me to mention, especially after some other experiences. But then I went to the computer and I sat for three hours straight writing. <laughs> so I was actually writing how hard it was for me to write and why it was hard for me to write. Um, and then I started describing my history and realized and ended up actually, I mean, all of these things I've already talked to myself. It was all in my mind. But then writing it brought so much linear, linearity to something that is so non-linear in a way, so, so non-linear in a way. I was mostly describing how everything that is happening for me, um, the violence that I've experienced during childhood, the sexual abuse that I've experienced, all of these things, they've actually happened to many others before me and my mom, my father. And it's so encrypted in the, the story of my, my own country. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a bit more geographical here because this actually might be what I'm trying to realize as in the personal and the global experience. Uh, I'm Brazilian and Brazil itself is a huge, gorgeous piece of land with multiple cultures. It's a mix, and wherever you go, you find different people and different colors of people and different uh, different backgrounds of people. Just in my city, there is more than 70 ethnicities. Uh, and I think what really helped me, gave me a motivation to speak now it was, was what Rebecca was uh was bringing about the mix and the, the middle, the middle point, the middle, I forgot, the meeting point, yes. And understanding how, when looking back, in my, looking back at my own culture, being the child of, uh, the child that was born from uh, an indigenous person lineage with, a German one, understanding that the third process of colonization in Brazil happened uh, with Europeans coming to work after uh, slavery was abolished, and understanding how how all of this was so present in the south of Brazil, which is where I come from. Basically, knowing that my father was responsible not my father per se, but everything that he was representing on a global and um, a global level at that point in Brazil. Uh, he was basically responsible for the, um, for what happened to my mother, losing their land, their identity, their voices. But I'm not trying to blame or pinpoint guilt in anything. I know, I know pretty much why all of these processes happen. 
uh, I know why Europeans were going to Brazil. They were also running away from their own scarcity and so many other problems. It's not a thing to shame or anyways. And then, and then I was born in a city where the two biggest rivers, one, two of the two of the biggest rivers of the of my country, they meet. It's like a meeting point. Uh, the name of the city is Foz de Iguazu, and it's an indigenous name. It it means um, meeting point of water. It's where the Iguazu Falls are now, and understanding how the how I am in a way the meeting point of everything that happened during all of this process of colonization and how seeing that the patterns the things that happened to my mom marrying a german guy with me marrying a german guy and going through all of these patterns over and over again and being the meeting the meeting point and geographically being stated at the meeting point I was just looking at the symbols today and after writing all of this and understanding that losing, losing my ability to speak or to understand symbols is something very much related to all of this process that is encrypted in, in my own being as a Brazilian woman. Uh, born in the situations and conditions in which I was born. And then reorganizing or reprogramming this new being that is emerging through all of this process is part of embracing all of this, but at the same point, understanding that um, there is something that comes from the middle and beyond. So it was the day that I was looking back at history and trying to understand how history makes itself present, how past is actually not past when everything that I feel now was felt before me and it's, a, it's at the same time a, pro, a product and not a product is a cause and effect of everything that has happened before me. And then seeing all of these patterns happening over and over again and not being able to verbalize all of this at the same point it brings in a way um, a little bit of clarity and um, ease, a bit of ease also. Not being able to verbalize it allowed me so much space to actually be able to understand it. So, and then we go back to the energy preservation when we speak. Why are we speaking? Do we actually need to speak? And understanding also what trauma is in the body. Uh, and especially because the day I, I lost my ability to speak one week 
after one or two weeks after I recovered some memories of traumas that I had no idea that I suffered, uh, that I was molested by my uncle. And this came up uh, before I sleep, when I was in their journey. And two weeks later, I was there, not being able to speak, but having to sit most likely for the first time in centuries, <laughs> ages, lifetimes, with all of those feelings and trying to process all of that to understand that this is the middle point. This is where everything emerges. This is where everything comes together. And this is where we sit with it, look at it and take our time. We don't need to speak about it because it might not be now and it is okay. <laughs> so yeah, it was um, a big moment today. Thank you everyone for the sharings. Thank you for allowing all of it. And I guess that's it. Thank you. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, this is going to keep going. If we talked about this for a week or a month or a year, this would just keep going and it would unravel secrets of the cosmos almost. Uh, I think everything that's being spoken speaks loads. Um, but I'll cut it short because it's been such a long day and we're actually revealing where this is going in the next weeks um, in terms of the synesthetic, in terms of, of the aphasic, in terms of the history of the music of the world, in terms of the origins of our language, in terms of new culture. Um, what I want to close is um, asking you to observe the articulation of spirituality that's happening in certain parts of the world where a new age is coming about. And then when you hear certain things emerging in the world, something like the inner dance, there's something called the old age. And it doesn't really bring up things like crystals as much or drop terms like Kundalini and uh, the divine feminine. But it speaks from a very constructivist sort of intelligence that has been here and uh, is going to mix up things. It doesn't invalidate the new age. It will conjoin with it because that also is one of the houses of history in which we are inhabiting. And there's something very important about people talking about Atlantis and the Arcturians and the Pleiadians and so on and so forth. Um, the Lemurians, and, and we can just keep going with that. But um, something needs to conjoin that's also the life world's hermeneutics, the system of interpretation that has authored the world and needs to be uh, unraveled because we work really, really hard, in fact, to get to this point. Um, so what I speak about is there's something inside of us that is a tendency to destroy time and memory and history so that we can remake it. And then there is an aspect of the inner dance that's not here to destroy anything, 
but to um, happily look at the playground, see what is available, see what resources are there, and what used to feel like it was in poverty and in a sense of victimhood starts to find its own voice and then starts when you find your voice then you find your mind and then a philosophy will come and when that happens um, you know what to do you know what to do so we are suspending online training modalities if that is somewhat still in the expectation um, energy trains us it's like a train of awareness that's just been going and that train is time itself it will know what to do and we will have a lot of time to speak about um what is exactly this that holds us that we are also holding so i'm uh, thank sending a lot of gratitude to all of you for creating the space and the commitment the devotion to the earth as it truly is um, from your own and in service to the world. Uh, we would really like to hear from you and I would love to get help from facilitators to bring out the voicing in, in everyone for us to find the mediums, the, the channels in which we can hear your stories beyond just this channel. And, and then to spread that out, how could we um, do this in a very collaborative way, in a very non-competitive, in a very supportive way. <sighs> mm. <laughs> Thank you. Good night, good morning. If you could unmute yourselves and just maybe chime in and express um, appreciation for everyone. So much courage, wisdom. Uh, yes. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Good night. Mm. Bye bye. Bye. Waving. <laughs> mm. Good night, Baba. Mm.